0: All right, this is, uh, I think, going to be the last uh, message in the Sermon on the Mount series. I think I'll try to wrap it up today. Um, The last beatitude, I think there were seven of them. Um, Jesus talks about the keys to the kingdom of God that are available to us. The ability to see God. So it's worth uh, studying these Beatitudes. Um, I've never gone into such depth of them before. Just kind of, they always came across as like a proverb or a fortune cookie, you know. Blessed are those who are poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of God. Blessed are those who mourn. Or they will be comforted, you know? Um, but it is a message for the disenfranchised, seekers, and even seasoned religious folks. Um, I shared a quote bef- last week that Jesus came to comfort the, di- comfort the disturb and disturb the comfortable. So there is something in here for everybody. Um, Jesus asks us, In fact, I think requires, highly recommends, that we go and do likewise, that we follow him, that we just don't give lip service to the gospel message, but to be transformed and changed. So like the Apostle Paul that we'll get into uh, probably next, one of his letters to the Christian church is to strain like uh, straining for a prize, like the Olympics. We do so not for the relationship, not to get into legalism again, but because of God's uh, grace and love relationship with us. So that's an important point to make. Um, Just briefly, in one word, summarizing the uh, Beatitudes, blessed are those who are poor in spirit, Um, You can't really see it. You see that little, he is greater than I. You've seen that uh, Hawaiian Christian logo. H-E, greater sign than I. You'll see that plastered on logos. Kind of sums up the first uh, beatitude. Blessed are those who are poor in spirit. For the kingdom of heaven is theirs. So if you want to fill in the blank in one word, it means humility. Less of me, less of self. Less of selfishness and being humble toward God. The next one, blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. What is that about? Mourning our ungodliness. Not just our sins of commission, okay? Those things that uh, you've done in your past, those things that, um, those mean spirited things of immaturity that we have done, but also mourning. Sins, missing the mark of omission. Okay, um, there was a important point in my career where uh, I hadn't done anything worse in my life, but God gave me this kind of zoomed out perspective of how holy God was, and I felt this sense of of mourning of how far and how f- much and how Far, I uh, fell short of God's standards. So mourning our sins of omission as well as commission. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. What is that about? So once we have our attitude of uh, humility, um, uh, mourning our, our, our ungodliness, we become Teachable and leadable, like a horse, right? We gave that example. Um, Leadable and teachable. The next one, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. This is a point of getting God's heart, God's mind of what heaven should be. God's kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. We could look at... uh, World War II, the world wars, humanity. I talked about the TIPS report that the U.S. government gives every, every year. It sounds like an economic report, doesn't it? Trafficking in persons is what it is. They actually keep track of modern-day slavery, which is incredible. And then the Bible tells us to take care of widows and orphans. Uh, this is desiring for righteousness, right relationships, right society, and being involved with that. Blessed are the merciful. And this talks about uh, reconciliation, right? Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. And this talks about social action is uh, turning your right attitudes in the beginning to Action. Reflecting God's heart of love and mercy. And last week we talked about blessed are the pure in heart for they will see God. And what is that about? And that is having a clear conscience. Having a clear conscience when we uh, um, not necessarily fail, but the process of sanctification. Where God wants to make us pure as gold. Where God wants to make us holy like he is holy. When God brings to mind through the Holy Spirit, this is an area that we need to grow. So I wrote down a clear conscience. There's a passage that, ta- uh, there's a parable that Jesus teaches about the 10 talents, right? When you're faithful in little, God is gonna uh, give you more responsibility where you can be faithful in much. So as we grow, as we come become more godly, God gives us more to do. All right. Now we're at the point of the last beatitude. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called children of God. So these are kind of amazing um, proverbs, so to speak. These are pretty amazing benefits where the kingdom of God is open to us, the ability to see God. And here, if you reflect being a peacemaker, you're going to be a child of God. So what is a peacemaker? Well, this is biblical peace is not the absence of conflict. All right. So that's sometimes people think of meekness, <laughs> a peacemaker, well, peace at all costs, avoiding conflict at all costs. No, no, no. Actually, being a true Christian, God, Jesus, what? Ran toward the conflict, didn't he? He had his life in Jerusalem. He was healing people. He was gaining popularity. And he said, okay, I got to go. I got to go where? To Jerusalem, where there's this cataclysmic clash, where Jesus becomes an iconoclast, overturning tables, confronting uh, ungodliness, unrighteousness. Being a peacemaker is not the absence of conflict, but God shows by example that he approached conflict. And I'd like to say, God being a peacemaker, He came from heaven, all right, all the way to Earth, <laughs> to creation. That's an incredible thing. It's almost like Disney's "Honey, I Shrunk the Kids," right? <laughs> or uh, do you remember that movie? It's called like uh, "The The Fantastic Voyage" or something like that. It's where. Uh, This uh, submarine spaceship somehow went inside the human body. It's just kind of incredible, right? Going inside the creation. (laughs) This is what God did. He, God, gave up his uh, infinite standard of infinite God and became finite in the person of Jesus. Pretty amazing. And even morally, God is holy. We are corrupt. We are imperfect, ungodly, while we were yet sinners, while we were yet missing the mark. God came to us. Um, that's this. I was just thinking personally, when I was eight years old and when I was in junior high, I felt this distant conceptual God that was talked about in cartoons and preached at, at the pulpit. I felt this distant God become personal. And uh, in, in, in a visual form, over here on the left is the earth. And here's the sky as far as the heavens, right? We look up and there's the sky. It's like, wow. When I want to get closer to God, sometimes... I just take a walk at night when it's warm and look up into the heavens and I get a grasp of how big God is, right? We see the sky and beyond the sky, there's what, right? Elon Musk and who's the Amazon guy? They're taking people up to the second heaven, into the heavens, space tourism. And God is beyond Everything you could see in the Hubble telescope. That's where God is. So God came a long way to reconcile with you and I. Isn't that amazing? God came toward the conflict for reconciliation. Well, this is good news for all us humans and nations that are in a performance-based mindset. For some reason, I always think of the Raiders of the Lost Ark and the Temple of Doom, where uh, Indiana Jones goes to this tribal area and they're sacrificing, (laughs) right? Right? people to the gods, to appease the gods. So throughout history, uh, humankind has been trying to appease God. There's this innate sense that there's a separation between God and, and who we are, us indigenous people. And there are indigenous religions and rites and rituals that are trying to get a reward, just like when we were little. I mean, it starts when we're little, right? Being a good boy, being a good girl, getting that gold star on your, on your uh, homework. Remember those? Those silver foil stars. Here's the green ones, there's the silver ones, and there's there's the gold ones. Or there's the, when you bring home the tests, the grades, I don't know if you guys grew up in that environment, when you brought home a B, the comment was, how come it's not A? (laughs) Or you bring home the A minus, and how come it's not A? 100%. 100%. You could have done that. I don't know if you grew up in that era, but a lot of Asians um, you know, have grown up with this sense of parental societal expectation of performance. And uh, historically, this comes from a lot of Confucianism in Eastern philosophy of attaining to these ideals and in that society, especially um, Chinese society, they had to take tests to attain to those ideals and when you scored high, you got a decent job. And so it's understandable when there's new immigrants to this country, um, the standards for education are very high because it basically, uh, uh, determine your station in life. And in fact, today in a lot of Asian countries, Korea and Japan, when young people don't do well on their entrance exams to sixth grade, <laughs> junior high school, high school, college, there's a huge amount of pressure. Where there's a whole society of, of uh of despair and depression and suicide. In fact there's a famous forest I think it's in I think it's in Japan where young people just go to end their life. Well it started all the way back if you think of the book of the Bible and the first family, Cain and Abel, right? Is, uh, is God favored Abel's offering. And uh, basically, it's not that God didn't favor Cain's offering. He explained to him, uh, this is where you're missing the mark, okay? And will you not be accepted if you do the right thing? And Cain uh, felt bad (laughs) so bad uh, he took out his 5150 his eminent harm to himself and others and took out his brother so here's a Uh, here's the title of today's message no God no peace no God no peace that was a popular bumper sticker back in the day. But it kind of sums up today's message. If you know God, you'll know peace. Peace inside. Peace is not the absence of conflict. Peace isn't just quiet and serenity and, um, okay? It's, a, it's not that. But it's reconciliation inside your heart because of God. But if we don't know God, we're not going to know that acceptance and reconciliation inside. When we don't have God, no God, no peace, we're going to have conflict in our hearts. This conflict of double mindedness, this conflict of selfishness, my goals versus God's goals. I love this quote. To be a peacemaker, you have to know peace. The unreconciled person is double-minded and is like a walking civil war inside. It's a war between good and evil, right and wrong, My way versus God's way. A selfish uh, mindset, a transactional society. A scarcity mindset versus an abundant mindset. However, to know God is to know peace and reconciliation. Another bumper sticker. Some of you remember. Make love, not war. <laughs> right? All right, who was a flower child here? I think Kathleen was a flower child, right? Product of the flower movement. <laughs> Make love, not war. Wholeness. God gives us wholeness when he reconciles with us from a reactionary, transactional economy, a scarcity economy, to an abundant economy. We become more secure in ourselves when we know our identity as a child of God, as a son and daughter of God, where we no longer put our value in people, places, or things, We are satisfied, we are loved, our sins are forgiven, we are healed, we are redeemed, we are crowned. Instead of being an enemy of God, we become a child and daughter of God. I like to say, instead of the five Ps, God heals these five Ps. Our search for significant in power, position, possessions. That's very American, isn't it? But praise and performance. Looking for love in all the wrong places. But when we come se- become secure being a child, a son and daughter of God, we don't have to think, take others' opinions of us too seriously. Whether we're criticized, you know, too highly compliments or criticism, uh, we don't worry about it so much. When we get praised, uh, don't think too highly of it and not as well. I like this bumper sticker. Live your life as if you had an audience of one. Live your life as if you had an audience of one. Not for the accolades of your parents, making your parents proud, living to the expectations of society. But we have but one important person in our life, our creator, our maker, and that is God. So going from a fractured heart, it says only Jesus can bring wholeness to a broken heart. And when we have wholeness, we're able to now give some of it away instead of always taking. That's a little little dark, but when we become a new creation, what God wants to do in our lives, our emotions become healed. The way we look at money, the way we look at our work. Interpersonally starts becoming healed and we start producing fruit. Another analogy God is the vine up there. We are, when we're connected to God in the branches, we're able to produce fruit. And what is that fruit? You have to know peace to make fruit. <laughs> To make peace, you have to know peace. To make peace, and as we're connected to uh, the Holy Spirit, as we as we uh, renew our mind and heart, the fruit of the Spirit has some space. Instead of reacting, we can respond with God's Spirit. Do you guys know how to re- Do you know guys know how to reflex works? Right? If you go to the doctor and they. Hit your patellar tendon, and you, kind of your your knee jerks out without even thinking. Do you know how that works? Because you have a afferent nerve that goes toward your body, and then makes a little loop in your spinal cord, and it shoots out an efferent nerve that goes to your quad muscle. <laughs> so the doctor hits that, and it goes whoop. Without even you thinking, okay? So instead of reacting to situations, when we leave room for the Holy Spirit, God allows us, instead of reacting, to respond in God's Spirit. And the fruit of that looks like love. God's love, not transactional love, not I'll love you if you, all right? Not I'll give you love if, all right? Joy, like the Apostle Paul, not because of circumstances, always happy things, but joy in the midst of circumstances. Good things, bad things, good health, bad health. In poor, just like that verse, I can do, what is it? Philippians something for 13. You all know it. I come on. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So out of context, I can do all things. What does that mean? Well, if you read some of the verses before, he says, I have found a secret. Either to happiness or life, I forgot I found the secret, and that's to be satisfied in plenty or when I have little. That's what he's talking about, is to be satisfied, is to have joy, regardless of the circumstances. That is the fruit of the Spirit. We have to have peace, No peace, to make peace. Love and joy and peace. So peace is reconciliation. That's the theme of today's message. Blessed are the peacemakers. Peace is not the absence of conflict. Peace is reconciliation. So a new look on the fruit of the spirit. Oh God, give me love. Give me joy. Give me peace. The absence of conflict. That's, that's how we usually pray for things. God, give me love. Give me love. Give me happiness. Okay? Take away all the bad things in my life. Give me peace, the absence of conflict. That's how we usually pray for these things. But peace is reconciliation. And what do we learn from God today? God. It took effort. I like this picture. It took effort. It took hard work. It took sacrifice. Like the Good Samaritan getting off his horse and helping the Samaritan who was robbed, gave his money, his time, his effort. And that's just a foretaste of what Jesus did for you and I, right? Sacrifice. All right, wrapping up here. I was late to small group this morning because I was still sermon prepping up to the last minute. (laughs) And God uh, brought me to this point of wrapping up the Beatitudes, wrapping up the Sermon on the Mount. We went through what the first seven kind of talked about in one word, but I noticed the first three are about changing your mind, all right? Renewing your mind, all right? We're blessed in God's economy when we're humble. We're blessed in God's economy when we mourn our sin, when we think about that, our sins of omission and commission. We're blessed in God's economy when we're meek, usable, teachable. And the fourth one is kind of like an arc, okay? The Beatitudes, like this whole list, kind of changes in this fourth one. And the fourth one, you got three in the beginning and three after. The first three talk about changing your mind. All right. The the last three talk about changing your life. And the central one talks about changing your heart. First, you change your mind. Right. Your perspective And the fourth one, hungering for righteousness changes our heart. Hungering for heaven on earth is what hungering for righteousness is about. Right relationship with God, right relationship with the world. And it motivates us to reflect God in the next three is to be merciful like God is merciful to us, is to have a pure and cleansed heart so we can have the mind and heart of God and be his ambassadors, and then to reflect God as a peacemaker. All right? So I'm going to play this last clip. If any of you have seen the modern uh, remake of the Elvis story, um during one of his comeback TV specials, uh, I think it was Bobby Kennedy who was just assassinated during the taping, apparently, of his Christmas special. And instead of singing uh, Here Comes Santa Claus or some Christmas song at the end of it, they actually wrote a song, the closing song Of his Christmas special on the spot, and it's called uh, If I Could Dream. So, this talks about the fourth beatitude longing for righteousness, longing, hungering for heaven here on earth. All right, let's close in prayer. Dear God, We thank you for your teachings that we still have with us today. They give us the keys to the kingdom, the ability to see your face, God. We pray that as we have reflected on these uh, teachings, God, you have changed our mind and indeed changed our hearts, motivated us as for a sense of urgency, God. To be your hands, your feet, your mouth, your feet. To usher in the kingdom of heaven on earth as it is in heaven, God. God, help us to see with your eyes. And what breaks your heart, God. Help it to break ours. Help us to get out of our comfort zone. And realize we have a sense of urgency with the time and resources, God, you have given us to align our days, our hours, our calendar, uh, to serve you, to change, to make a change in the world, to become peacemakers, the makers of reconciliation, God, to bring others to your uh, a relation, a right relationship with you. We pray for the empty chairs, the empty pews, the seats that are around us, God. Who, God, are you prompting us to reach out to with reconciliation, with love and acceptance, not shying away from uh, our humanness where we fall short, but to educate our friends and family, God, of your vastness and holiness. That we all need to be uh, poor in spirit before you. To mourn uh, our sins of commission and omission. And God, to seek after uh, righteousness in this world. So God, as we contemplate these things, we ask that you continue to renew our minds. Renew our hearts and motivate us. To be your hands and feet. And all God's people said, Amen.